This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, great to be with you. And thanks for tuning in. And we were just talking about the fact that uh, about getting back to normal, whatever that is, whenever that is. And I guess the answer is all to be determined. But uh, in the meantime, if you haven't already started going back to uh, Mass and various services at your parish, be sure to check with them. I'm sure most parishes now are offering uh, at least a limited schedule. Some of them are offering a, uh, an expanded schedule because they can't put as many people in the church at a time. They're offering more Masses to accommodate everybody. So check with your parish see what's going on there, and uh, be sure to you know get back as soon as you feel comfortable doing that. And also, uh, a couple of ways you can support Catholic Radio while you're at home. I know Amazon's having problem keeping up with every, everybody's at home, everybody's ordering, and Amazon's just uh, running around circles trying to get everything delivered and everything to everybody on time. Well, if you go to Amazon Smile or smile.amazon, just, just put that in any search engine, Amazon Smile, and you'll be uh, directed to a page where you're going to be asked to um, select a charity. And if you select Catholic Radio, uh, Catholic Radio Indy, all three words, Catholic Radio Indy, there you just do that one time, just once, and then every time you buy anything on Amazon, if you go to Amazon Smile, you'll go to exactly the same pages. The prices are exactly the same. The only difference is Catholic Radio gets a small percentage of your purchase. So if you would do that, it helps out a bunch. Amazon Smile or Smile.Amazon, either way, uh, if you look it up, you, you'll get to the right place, and uh, you'll be helping us out a whole bunch. Just be sure to use all three words, Catholic Radio Indy. Yeah, and as people are returning to work, you know, we're always talking about, um, you know, putting our faith in action. And as people are returning to work, um, our, our topic today is going to be how you can share your faith at work or how to live your faith at work. And we're going to be talking with our guest today, Superior Court Judge David Serto. So welcome to Faith in I, Action, I've always wanted judge. to say this on the radio. Here comes the judge. <laughs> Good morning, my friends. Thank you for having me. Well, um, you were on, uh, you were actually at Catholic Business Exchange. You were one of the speakers, um, uh, just, I don't know, I guess it was a while ago, back when we were all, you know, seeing each other in person. And uh, our one of our staff members really enjoyed your talk and what, really thought you'd make a great guest. And as I listened to that on Catholic Business Exchange, I, I thought it was, I thought you would be make a great guest. But for those who may not know you, um, judge, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. You're a superior uh, court judge in Indianapolis or Marion County, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. In, uh, in, in Marion County, we have a circuit court, which all the counties in Indiana have, created by our state constitution, but there also are superior courts around the state, Bridget, that are created by our legislature. And in Marion County, we have 36 elected superior court judges. One of the quirks of Marion County's law, though, is not more than half can be of the same political party. So the law is designed to help us all not just get along, but have stability on the bench so that people coming to court can predict what's likely to happen, which I think is a great advantage over a lot of other arrangements. Now, yeah, you just uh, raised a question in my mind there. As a judge, 
Are you elected or are you appointed? I am elected, Jim. I happen to have been appointed by Governor Daniels uh, when a vacancy occurred here in Marion County. And at the time, we had a, a, a sort of partisan election arrangement. It's since been changed by the legislature. In fact, this fall, I'll face the voters with the question, shall Judge Serto be retained in office? And it would be a great privilege to serve another six-year term if the public sees fit. I've been recommended by the nominating commission that now recommends either people to be appointed by the governor when a vacancy occurs or judges when they stand for a retention election. Now, Judge, did you grow up Catholic, and where did you grow up um, about? Yes, ma'am. I grew up in Richmond, but we were so far east, we only got Ohio TV. So for a while, it was real confusing as to whom my governor was and my senators. But uh, it was nice we'd get television an hour earlier because we were on that end of the time zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in Richmond at the uh, Holy Family and Seton Catholic communities as they evolved over time and uh, was very grateful to start school there in Catholic schools, but went on to Notre Dame where I majored in government and theology with a concentration in public service. Uh, so I pretty much planned to be poor, and it's worked out just fine that way. <laughs> uh, after that, though, I spent a year at seminary in Chicago as a candidate for priesthood for the Archdiocese in Indianapolis, and then took a year for discernment and came down to Indianapolis, which was another big change for me, because growing up in a small town is a whole lot different than Indianapolis, although they share some striking similarities, too. Yeah, and I'm... You know, with your background, you know, religion and politics are two things you're not really supposed to talk about, and and that's me. I I love those topics, so that's why I think I was really interested in in your background and and also your, you know, your, um, I guess, your mission in life in terms of really living your Catholic faith. Um, I want you to talk about a little bit about the scope of your work, though, in terms of, do you have, like, civil cases and criminal cases or both or... Or how does that work in terms of um, actually the cases that you get? Uh, the truth is, Bridget, if you're involved in the, the, the parent-teacher organization, if you go to Thanksgiving dinner, if you go to church, you're in politics. Uh, politics, yeah. pro- properly practiced, is really caring about people with, with whom you might not have a natural relationship. And as a judge, it's a great privilege for me to work with people who often have struggled in the past. I, right now hear almost exclusively criminal cases and low-level ones, misdemeanors, and then low-level felonies, level six, which have just started coming to our courtroom. But I'm very grateful on Fridays to work just with veterans in a problem-solving court where we get extra time and resources to work with individuals one at a time to try to get them out of the criminal justice system before things get worse for them or for our community. So it's a great privilege to be able to have that extra amount of time based on a drug court model, a mental health court, and for me, a veterans treatment court, to be able to help people get things back on track, especially for veterans, though, who've had success, who are used to working in teams, who've done hard things I chose not to. It's a great privilege to help them. We're talking with Judge David Serto, Marion County Superior Court, uh, of Marion County Superior Court, and before, before we got started here, Jim and I were talking off air, and he was saying that um, from a previous interview that you've been on, that kind of it's your personal mission to really not so much stick it to people, but to really help people kind of start over and have a new life. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of connects with our faith? Yes, ma'am. I, I grew up in a conservative home where uh, we were supposed to do the right thing, and if uh, if we did, maybe we'd get uh, some 
praise, but if not, uh, it's still the right thing. And for me, as a judge, it's important to follow where the evidence leads us. The evidence tells us, Bridget, that most people are able to get things back on track if we use the right incentives, positive and negative, and that punching people in the nose just doesn't work. So it seems to me uh, jail is not usually the smart thing to do for people with low-level criminal offenses or addictions or mental illness if we can get at them early enough. I'm very grateful for my colleagues who are willing uh, to send guys to prison for 100 years, but I like working in the end of the pool where we can still help people if they're willing to do it themselves. And we follow the evidence where it goes. The best predictor of somebody getting in trouble again, for instance, is criminal history. The second best, though, is having meaningful work. And if we're able to get people connected with treatment if they need it, with jobs if they don't have one, we follow the evidence where it points. And uh, for some people, the evidence says prison. For most people, though, uh, it says maybe we find an alternative in the community that changes the people they're around, the places they go, the things that they do. And especially with things like peer support or mentors that we have for our veterans, you can really get dramatically better outcomes from people who really didn't know they could have better than they had. In fact, one of the biggest problems we face in misdemeanor court is a crisis of imagination. People are used to having intimate, economic, social, familial, sexual relationships with people they barely know, and they get terrible outcomes. So very often, if we point to the things we know work based on evidence, especially having families with parents involved, having positive role models and people around them, especially being engaged with pro-social peers, uh, whether it's uh, the scouts or church or just mentors and recovery groups. There are lots of things we know are going to help bend the curve for people, first, to help them and their families, but second, to make our community safer at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, on the economic uh, scale, is there a particular place on the economic scale where you see more people, more uh, crime committed than, than others? as far as, you know, uh, income level and that sort of thing? It's not as simple as that, Jim, but I can tell you that people who have something to lose very often are less likely to take risks. What I mean is if you have a good job, it's not as likely you're going to disappear for four days. If you have a family counting on you, maybe trying heroin for the first time doesn't make as much sense. But it turns out addiction doesn't care how smart you are, how rich you are, what faith you have, or none. Addiction takes over the brain and is insidious in the way it does it. Very often, addiction comes from pain, whether it's in your mind or in your body. A lot of people, for instance, who struggle with opioid addiction started by getting legitimate prescriptions for actual pain. And although they may have been overprescribed and a patient took more than he or she really needed, very often that pain is something that you start to address by using either drugs or alcohol, and then before long your body becomes dependent on them. So it's true, and that's why a job is so important. People who have something at stake, something meaningful to do, people who care about them, are less likely to make some of those problems. But I, I'm sorry to tell you that uh, opioid overdoses go all across the economic and social spectrum, that people abuse alcohol on a regular basis because it's legal and it's cheap and people know what it does to their bodies. And unfortunately, all of us bear the consequences many times when that kind of conduct spills out into the public or even when it just hurts their families. Now, uh, along the lines of what you were just talking about, I had a discussion with someone the other day about the kind of the uh, stay-at-home COVID uh, quarantine situation, and their thought was exactly the same as what you were saying about crime, that if you've got 
nothing to risk. What difference does it make? Go out and do whatever you want to do. If you've got a lot of responsibilities and things like that, well, then maybe you have to look at it a little more seriously and take some of the precautions a little more seriously. And it just kind of struck me the uh, correlation there of what you were saying. And, you know, Jim, that's the same way we fight gangs and neglect. People who have folks who care about them, people who have loving role models who can tell them uh, with deep concern and compassion that they're not doing it right, that they're going to get bad outcomes, that they deserve better than they have, that, that really is the way forward for most people and families. Uh, you know, if someone is drawn to a gang, it's very often because he or she doesn't have good supports at home or in school, doesn't have positive role models or a strong counterbalance. Uh, it, very often, recovery comes from a healthy group of people who are supporting you in the good choices that you make and pick, helping to pick you up when you relapse or make bad choices. And that describes my family perfectly. Right? <laughs> Thank God I had two parents who were willing to help me and other people who were willing to support me. Uh, but one of the great privileges of my job is to be able to talk with people about how they deserve not to underestimate themselves and how they're entitled not to have other people underestimate them either. Now, what kind of support can you give to people who don't come from that kind of a background, who come from a broken home or a home where uh, they're not getting that positive enforcement? How can you, you as a judge, affect somebody who has been brought up in that environment? Um, first, uh, I always recommend prayer, right? I pray before I go to the bench every time. Uh, I'm very grateful to pray for the people I work with and the, the people I serve. So never underestimate the value of prayer. But prayer and good works go together. Uh, and certainly in our faith tradition, uh, we want to apply both. We take the blessings from God and then work with them as best we can. So if we're able to get people, say, out of a bad housing situation to something more stable, if we're able to surround them with uh, pro-social activities and people who care about them, then the evidence points in a better direction. As an example, if you have a problem with drugs or alcohol and we get you to an environment where you can live with other people who are working to be sober while you go to work, maybe after a period of sobriety, you're able to do, again, the things that you wanted to, but this time without drugs or alcohol keeping you away from your family or from your goals. Uh, as another example, if it turns out you have deep-seated problems, if you had um, abuse or neglect in your background, if you suffered childhood trauma, uh, especially uh, loss of people that you care about, uh, very often those issues are really what hurts and what you're trying to address with drugs or alcohol so you can feel normal or function in a way that you think is okay. Uh, by addressing those underlying situations, talking with someone you can trust who's a licensed counselor or a medical doctor, finding medication that helps you get some sleep. One of the things people really underestimate is the value just of getting a good night's rest. Uh, it, also is, it also is true that if you have people who care about you, a lot of that comes naturally from within. So you can build on the things you have in your body and your heart if... People are telling you that you're good, that you're worthy, that you're worthwhile, that you have a, a bright future, and show you the way to get to those things. So one of the things Absolutely. we do in, in court is talk about ways you can uh, reach your objectives. You know, we used to work with ladies who had been involved in prostitution out at our community court, and one of the first conversations we had with them when we uh, had a, a discussion group with them was, here's a piece of paper, write down what your dreams are. And their dreams were incredibly normal, right? I don't want to be afraid. I'd like to have my own apartment. I want to see my kids again. And very often, you have to stop the clock and ask, what are we here to do? What problem are we trying to solve? 
uh, before we proceed with a lot of other discussion. Unfortunately, in, on a regular criminal court docket where you have a lawyer maybe trying to keep some distance between everyone, it can be difficult to get to that uh, spot where you can have an honest conversation, especially if uh, scouts or school or church or family haven't been able to deliver good outcomes. It's hard to expect that maybe our justice system, so-called, will do that. But at the same time, I think we'd sell ourselves short if we didn't try, especially by following the evidence to people who probably don't belong in the criminal justice system and grabbing them and pulling them out by the shirt collar. Well, that's great information. We're talking with uh, Judge David Serto. We need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more how he practices his faith at work, how we can do the same. So stay tuned for more Faith in Action. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Eyre. Jim Danley is in the studio. I'm recording from home, and we have our guest on the phone, Judge David Serto. He's uh, served as a Marion County in the as a judge in the Marion County Circuit Superior Court. I'll get that right one of these days. Um, and we're talking about um, practicing your faith at work, but but Judge, you have limitations in terms of what you can actually say or do at work. Can you talk about that, like what your boundaries are, and then for how people if they have limitations at work, how they can practice their faith. So kind of a, a two-part question there. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the Constitution of the United States in the First Amendment protects our ability to practice our faith, but it also uh, prohibits our government from establishing any particular religion. And courts have interpreted it to say that we're not supposed to promote any one religion or another. So in my job all day, they record every word I say in court, which can be a little frightening, but also maybe even liberating, because talking about themes can make things easier. As an example, uh, I want my wife to be proud of what I do. I want to go to heaven. So the fundamental rule for our staff is we, we treat people with dignity and respect. I think they're going to respond to that better, and in truth, it makes us safer. Uh, but uh, again, punching people in the nose doesn't usually work. But I'm not the only one who's not allowed or supposed to talk about uh, promoting his religion at work. I mean, we've all heard about people who may be uh, fired or sue over uh, telling people to have a blessed day. Uh, there are some uh, employers, frankly, that are hostile 
uh, to practicing faith. But the truth is, we can't separate our faith from who we are, and we'd be foolhardy, in my opinion, to try. Uh, prayer is a very important part for me exercising the authority that's been entrusted to me. But there are lots of ways we can practice our faith, whether it's just by wearing a pin for the Ancient Order of Hibernians or the Sarah Club, or it's carrying a rosary and using it like our brothers in the Knights of Columbus. Um, I have a crucifix in my office, which is 100% mine, but I'm not allowed to have one in the courtroom. Uh, we do have an American flag, and, and we take the philosophy that, that Christ promotes in John's Gospel, that they'll know we're Christians by our love. And once they get to know and trust us, then maybe they ask questions about why and how. Uh, the evidence tells us that uh, if people are involved in a faith community, they tend to live longer and have better outcomes, and we're excited about where that evidence points. But there's a time and a place for those conversations. You know, part of a good 12-step recovery, for instance, is to acknowledge there's a higher power and that I am not he. And that mm -hmm. in itself is liberating, too. Uh, one of the mistakes our society sometimes makes is for us to tell ourselves that we're the most important, or that we're the gods that substitute for true faith. And uh, that the evidence just doesn't point to good outcomes if we take that approach, especially because what it tells us about our brothers and sisters, they are worthwhile and they deserve our help, uh, especially if we're in a court setting where I work for each of them. But in my office, i got a sign over the door that says, Judge like a champion today, to remind me the high standards that Notre Dame sets as a, a school. But... Uh, for Our Lady and what she requires. Um, we can all choose to live one way or another in our workplaces and to encourage people. Uh, I think folks are attracted to the Catholic faith because we don't practice it alone. We practice it as a community. And I think people like to see or to hear when other people share their faith and they run into them and understand why they're doing what they're doing, even if it's not overt. Uh, we keep food in our office because if you are stealing because you are hungry, we can fix that problem. And, again, my office is mine, so I'm able to do things like that that, uh, in context, make a lot more sense because it changes the conversation about a court and about justice and how we get there from here. Everybody I meet has had at least one bad day, and trying to get mm -hmm. from a bad place to a better one is our objective, not trying to get from a bad place to perfection, but that treating people with dignity and respect uh, is a message everyone can uh, can send uh, simply by his or her conduct. So you are a public servant. Um, what kind of impact or response do you hope to have on those that you serve? And you've obviously mentioned a lot of ways that you really try to use the evidence to problem solve and, and maybe meet people where they're at. But are there any other ways that you uh, really try to have an impact um, on those that you serve? Uh, part of it, Bridget, is the corporal works of mercy. We have a uh, food pantry we used to operate at the courthouse in Fountain Square. When that courthouse closed, we moved to the former St. Patrick's School and named the pantry in honor of Officer David Moore, who was killed in the line of duty and was a Roncalli graduate. Uh, both his parents had long, distinguished careers with the police department. We're very grateful to continue the good work they and he were doing, serving our community by helping people with food. And that message alone, that hunger makes us angry, that we can do something about it, is important. But the other part of it really is uh, to, to pick a personal mission. For me, I, uh, I, I pursued a religious vocation, but each of us has the obligation to listen for God's voice in his or her life. And I'm sure that's how you and Jim have found your work. But each of us has that question to answer, and God expects us to get on with it. Uh, for me, my personal mission besides my job at work here is to take seriously my vocation as a family man. And as a father, my job is to help lead my family 
and the people I meet to heaven. And sometimes you do it with words, sometimes you do it with other forms of kindness. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to meet so many people who, frankly, are longing for that kind of uh, compassion, for for caring. Many people aren't used to getting a kind word, especially from a judge. But even when people are in trouble, what we find is if you're able to focus on the positive things in someone's life, very often people haven't gotten an A lately or something to put on the refrigerator. But frequently, a kind word and some maybe encouragement, but also challenge for next objectives really help people stay focused on what's important. But ultimately, if, if we are people of faith and we don't practice our faith with joy and love, we're not doing it right, and nobody's going to want what we have. So I'm very grateful to come to the office, and I want people to be happy to see me when I show up in the morning. Uh, I think everybody would like that, but you have to decide that that's the kind of workplace that we want together, us and our coworkers, and then help lead by example, but also encouragement uh, to get there. We have about two minutes left, but I have to ask you this question. Um, how has your Catholic faith really helped you, or has it helped you to be a better judge? Uh, it's a strange transition, Bridget. One day I'm sitting in the back of a room. The next day when I walk into it, everybody stands up. Uh, people are really nice to me at the office, but at home I'm just the guy who takes out the trash. The good news, though, is uh, it's given me a real opportunity to reflect on mercy, which is something I really need in my life and something that I've been handed an opportunity to help people achieve. Uh, very often we'll come to court and we'll talk about what happened in the past, but we always want to focus on where we're headed in the future. So I'll ask, uh, say, a, a person who's been struggling with alcohol, what's your plan? Because I'd like to use your plan. You're the expert on you. Tell me what it is. And if somebody says, I'm, I'm going to stop drinking after four or five arrests for public intoxication, that's a great intention, but that's not a plan. So very often we'll talk about what it takes to get from this tough spot to a better place and then try to make a plan based on the evidence that looks more likely than not. Uh, so we try very hard to focus on those steps that it's going to take to get from here to there. Uh, but that mercy aspect has really uh, struck me. You know, Becoming a dad, of course, made me understand better the, the whole idea that the, the Trinity and, and why Christ would send his only begotten son uh, to bring us uh, the message of Jesus, that why God would send a person of the Trinity on that mission, uh, but also how he loves us. Uh, and I can tell you as a judge, uh, it's immensely humbling uh, to know that I need mercy every day, but to have a chance to acquaint people with it uh, really is a great privilege. Well, Judge David Serto, you've been a great guest. You've given us a lot to think about and how we can we can uh, share our faith or or live our faith in our workplaces once once we get back there. Uh, thanks so much for being our guest today. God bless you. It's my privilege, ma'am. Thank you. Please pray for me, but also for the people we serve. And I just encourage your listeners, surround yourself with good people. That's the way to heaven, uh, whether it's through the radio or the, the people in your family, the people at your church. Uh, go find Christ. He's waiting for us. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. 
If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please call us at 317-870-8400 or email jim at catholicradioindy.org.